right, everybody, welcome back to the Long Lens Podcast. This is the podcast where I answer questions from our YouTube community and just talk about YouTube and filmmaking. Today we have a special guest, Tyler Cornelison. He's a Pacific Northwest-based filmmaker and owner of Vessel Media. He specializes in commercials and specifically a lot of product videos. He's worked with brands like Naked Winery, Dave's Killer Bread, and even Intel. He's also worked as a camera op for sports events like Portland Timbers and Trailblazers, and he's worked on shows like Portlandia. Most recently, he's been dabbling in comedic filmmaking-based Instagram reels. I met Tyler about five years ago, and his skills behind the camera and career have skyrocketed since then. Tyler is also planning on starting his own YouTube journey soon. How's it going, Tyler? Hey, good, dude. Stoked to be here. So yeah, I've been seeing your work like throughout the years. And like, as I said, it's just been getting so good. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on this podcast, and I feel like my audience would really benefit from hearing from you is because you're doing a lot of the type of work that like, I'd love to do more of all of like your, your product work and your, your commercials just look so good. And that's kind of, you know, I mentioned this on the podcast before, but like, that's kind of where I want to like, eventually steer my career is to like, be able to do more work like you. So yeah, thanks for for coming on the podcast and being willing to talk to me. Yeah, dude, I appreciate that. I mean, it's uh, I think it's so cool when you just get to love what you do. Like no matter what like realm it's in, not just specifically video, but when you also get to do the the work with the clients that you want to work with, like it's so much fun when you get to enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I want to get to like the level that you're at. Like I love doing YouTube, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, when I'm 45 i don't know if i'm still gonna be making you know you know camera tutorials or whatever so it's like if i could get to a spot where i could like leverage my youtube channel to be able to do the kind of work that you're doing i'd be super stoked i feel like you have Um, such a great platform for that too like i'd love to even just like see that and hopefully you know when you come back to the northwest uh we can hopefully collab on some some stuff like that that'd be really cool yeah i'd be stoked for that yeah one of the questions i just wanted to like start it off with was what got you started down this path? Because I remember meeting you, it was like five years ago, and you were making a little like short documentary on one of the staff members at Skate Church where I volunteered. And I remember you coming in with like a DJI Ronin and like some Sony gear and like you were filming me doing like some tray flips or whatever, but then you ended up making like this really cool little like short doc. How did you get started in like uh, making videos? And I guess how long have you been doing it? Yeah, that's a good question. So I started making videos like it was it was just like, you know, church stuff when you're like really young, you know, like youth group, like, hey, like no budget, just throw something together and it turns out to be something fun with your friends. And then what's actually hilarious is we, me and some of my buddies, probably senior year of high school, we did this thing called uh, Sorrows of Our Tomorrows. And it was a joke soap opera show that we made. And it was just like, it was, it was just great because like it started flooding around the school. This is like in prime Facebook days and everyone's just sharing that around. And so everyone would talk about like, oh, when's the next episode coming out? When's the next episode? And it was just all humor based around kind of like our community. After that, like I didn't know what I was going to do for college and so on and so forth. And I had a buddy recommend this program, this video program. I was like, sure, I'll take a stab at it. So I did. And I mean, I just kind of started taking gigs, right? Like I just took what I could. I wasn't seeking too much, but you know, like, like you had said, I, you know, did, did a little bit of Portlandia and, you know, so I've done like the TV side and then I've also done the broadcast side and just kind of getting to where I am today. Like I just wanted this, this ownership over it all. Like I wanted to be able to, to do things start to finish. And that's kind of 
when I adapted one day, I was like still, even though I was doing all those things, I was still working at Best Buy. Okay. And I remember I was listening to this podcast as I was like stocking shelves and this, this word came over. I forget what the podcast was and I forget what they said, but they said something about like the day that you quit doing all the extra stuff and go full in is the day that you are now this position and that position be, you know, videographer, cinematographer, whatever. So that's like, I, the way I picture it is I took out my headphones, walked over to my manager and said, I quit, but that's not actually how it happened. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, just kind of one of those days where it was like, I'm going all in on this, you know, invested in myself to, to learn more and more and get where I am today. Yeah. That's awesome. How long ago was that? That started 2013 is when I started making like joke videos. And then I didn't go like full time into, uh, work until like 2016 2017 okay. you know wet weddings and stuff that's like where the easy stuff was at yeah i don't know did you ever do weddings yeah no i did a lot of weddings back in the day and yeah i i think i stopped doing them around like 2018 but yeah i definitely had a wedding phase not that like like weddings are a bad gig they're probably like as far as like my freelance career it's probably like the most money that yeah. i ever made was from weddings dude i the the people who can stay in the wedding industry i and like own it yeah like man i have so much respect for them seriously like, they're like just to because there is a lot of money to be made there and like you can just continue like you do one and you get four referrals five referrals like oh, yeah. the work just keeps coming to be able to build that and not grow tired like man i have i have nothing but respect for those people i at first when i kind of got into it and was like really really into the wedding game you know three years in i was like i'm doing weddings forever like yeah. i'm gonna be the wedding guy and you know year four came around and i was burnt dude i yeah. was so burnt out and just seeing like those people who can continue keeping it up and still have an enthusiasm about it. I'm like, you go get it, man. Yeah. Like, go get it. Like, it's so cool to see that. It's so funny. I remember for the longest time, like I would do a wedding and then I'd get like, like I loved the actual like shooting process. But then when it came to like the editing, I just, I would be so sluggish. And after I was done, like finishing a wedding completely, I would always tell like my brothers or whoever just like hey don't ever let me take another wedding gig like i'm done with it <laughs> and then i would take like three yeah. more or whatever because it's just like it's so hard to turn down the work sometimes oh yeah <laughs> but absolutely and i mean it, it when when like this money is offered to you like it's like why not and i remember you know there'd be times where i i would like be missing something big because of this wedding yeah and so i would just throw some ridiculous number out there and they'd be like yep like we'll pay it. Yeah. And sure enough, I was like, oh, great. Now, now looking back, that number wasn't very high, yeah. but it was to me at the time. Uh, but that was, that was just one of the times where I was like, I gotta, I gotta slow this down a little bit on the, on the wedding game. But yeah, you kind of get that into that idea of like, don't ever do it. And then you, you get another request and another request. I don't know if I've done one for three, four years and I'm still, I still get maybe like two requests, yeah. three requests uh, a summer, you know? So they yeah, yeah. still, they still come in. Like when was the transition to where it's like you were doing weddings and then you transitioned into 
a lot of like the the work that you've done for like wineries and breweries and stuff like that because uh, for anyone who's listening that hasn't seen any of your work like you do a lot of product videos i feel like if anyone's like seen your stuff they probably like those shots that you get and like that type of work that you do is at least in my mind it's one of the things that i like i remember about you the most like oh yeah he does those insane product videos so when did it like switch from like weddings to working with stuff like that a lot of that was actually oddly enough covid so okay i think Uh, Up until that point, so like I said, I haven't done a wedding in a number of years, but there was kind of a gap there between doing weddings and doing things like product videos and and ads. And that gap happened, and I was just kind of taking everything. I was taking any gig I could. Uh, I was still working with the Portland Trailblazers and just like doing broadcast stuff there. And, And that was just camera op. It wasn't anything extensive, but like as I'm doing all these things, it was just making money. Like I didn't really have a passion, but I did really care. And this is my favorite thing about this business is the relational side. I know I'm under Vessel Media, like that's my business name, but like, I think more importantly, like I'm Tyler Cornelison and I want to be relational with these people. So when COVID hit and everyone shut down, I messaged my clients, a number of them. And I just said, Hey, like, yeah, I know you guys are having a really tough time right now with sales, with marketing and so on and so forth. I am not just a video guy. I'm an asset to your business. How can I help? And so that started with me just making a few free videos for some clients. Like one of my favorite clients, Freem Brewing, they're uh, out in Hood River. And I was able to make just like some really quick like product videos there at home, some stop motion. Was it anything great? No, but like it was something that they appreciated that they could use. And then I, you kind of see like this wave of people throughout COVID just like start this journey of shooting stuff at home. So there's so much content of like this, this product videos and everyone's creativity. Some of it's really good. Some of it's not so good, but like then there's the masters, right? Like there's this guy named Steve Geralt, if you're familiar with Steve and he does like crazy robotics and it's, it's cool to watch what he does and then say, how can I replicate that on a low budget Yeah, and be able to just try that out? So that kind of turned turned into doing some more product stuff. I really enjoy doing a larger ads as well, just but still like small team, like yeah. just me most of the time, or like me and two other people, whatever it is. That's kind of like what I love doing. But that all was kind of born out of 2020 and being what it was, and just offering myself up to my clients and saying like, "Hey, like, how can I help?" And then they have a need, and just going and filling that need. Dude, that's that's actually like a really good like a bit of advice. I feel like, I mean, even I forget that like sometimes you just have to like reach out and just like put yourself out there and ask, like even just doing like free work like that, I feel like it can, like it probably led to a lot more work just doing that stuff for them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the appreciation that I think they have for me, like, I don't know, maybe they'll even listen to this and be like, no, we don't appreciate (laughs) them. But no, they, uh, like, I think me going out on a limb, like they can see that and they want to not only, uh, work with me more, but also they just want to keep me. Yeah. Like they want to keep me there with them, not, not find some other video guy, but they're like, Tyler's on our side. Yeah. Like, and he cares about us. And it, that again, like I just forget the work part. Like I just enjoy the friendship and the relationship of it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's just kind of who I am. And again, what I love about this business, but absolutely dude, like the, the more work, like I think that's one of the benefits of just doing free work in general, right. Mm-hmm. Is just like, you get more work. Yeah. I think when you do it strategically, you get more work. And yes, that did 
turn into some of that because I had other clients say, hey, I saw that stop motion thing you did or I saw you do this product video. Like, can we get that? It's like, yeah, yeah. let's jump in on it. Like, so absolutely. That's awesome. That almost brings me to my next question. You were mentioning Geralt. Who are some of your other, yeah. like, uh, your biggest inspirations as far as, like, filmmakers go? Or even photographers, I guess. Oh, man. That's... So, I, I wish I had inspiration as <laughs> photographers. Yeah. Uh, but I just, like, I'm so not a photographer that I can't even, like, look in that direction. Yeah. Uh, but some of the... Some of them are, are people that aren't even my pace. So, like, Danny Gewurz oh, yeah, is a dude, dude that I just, I love like, Danny's stuff. Right? And I think I think what I love about him so much is, like, he's he's so authentic. And it's, like, that's what I that's what I want from someone, yeah. right? So, he's definitely one. I think Steve Geralt's a dude that I always check out his work. There's some guys that are in, like, really foreign countries that I have no idea how to say their names that I follow on Instagram. But yeah. their work is just insane. And so I kind of have like these Instagram follows that every once in a while, I'll just like check out like, Oh, let me go to some of their past videos. And I don't even know what their name is. I just know how to kind of type it out. Yeah. And then I go to that, look at some of their past work and that kind of inspires me more. I love the, the passion of filmmaking that and again the relational side that I do watch a lot of YouTubers and not even just like sit there and watch but like I'll be prepping gear and just like be listening in and yeah. hearing them and uh you know your your podcast is great and then Maddie Hapuya just started his podcast yeah, I where love he's that just one. chatting it up with other yeah yeah and it's so cool just like being in this community yeah and just hearing other people's thoughts on on everything and I just I dig it I dig it a lot yeah. so um, those are some of my main ones, but, uh, you know, Danny has been a dude that like, he's such a slower pace than me, mm -hmm. but it's a, it's a pace in which like, I really, uh, hate the term, but I really vibe with. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's something that like, I don't know, it's refreshing and his style is, is always great. So, oh, and then you actually got me onto one as I was listening to your podcast at one point is, is his name, his last name's Potts. Yes. Lewis Potts. Name? Lewis, Lewis Potts, Potts, dude, yeah, that guy rocks. Yeah. Like he's been great, and some of these guys just are so smart. They aren't the big exuberant people, but they're just so big brain. Yeah, and it's cool to like watch them process. Yeah, uh, him, and then uh, if you know Mark Bone, he's oh, another absolutely. one that. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, art of documentary. Like those are some of the guys that just seeing the way that they think. I'm always trying to learn, and it's really cool to see what they have. Yeah, um, as far as you know, just different ideas. And then as far as product goes, not just Steve Geralt, but also Austin Paul is very creative with his shots mm -hmm. and uh, always someone to just kind of look to for, for inspiration, almost just for like the low budget type stuff. Yeah. Like just because he, he's so creative on like, how do I get this kind of shot or this angle or whatever? And he's just always... I don't know, very unique with it. And it almost just inspires me. Yeah. And I'm throwing so many at you right now. Yeah, no, I was uh, actually wondering, <laughs> there's one person that you, you, you didn't mention, which for some reason I thought you would, but, uh, Daniel Schiffer. I think I'm a, I was about yeah. to. Okay. <laughs> so Daniel Schiffer, definitely. He, he also is very, very much that like small budget, like kind of do things in like a small room kind of stuff. He yeah. does a great job in my most recent video that I did. I did, uh, and for, Anyone that wants to check it out, I did this video for Freem Family Brewers. They have this this union, and it's pretty much just like a beer club. And the way that I promoted it is they do a lot of barrel-aged stuff. So I did this video with 
a barrel in the middle of this just like black backdrop and uh, did a bunch of just cool things with these bottles, right? And Daniel Schiffer inspired one of those because Daniel Schiffer did this thing where he drops a monster energy drink and it splashes into these coffee beans and it just goes everywhere and it looks really cool in slow-mo. And so I was inspired by that and I said, how can I not just copy it, but how can I maybe add my own little touch onto it? So I did this super janky, like, and, and behind the scenes janky, but it turned out really cool. But I did like this jib move where it just like tilts from like the front and then goes all the way up and over and then it drops and it, I've got a behind the scenes on my Instagram, but like my wife is literally just like standing there with her hand over the, uh, holding up the, the bottle and drops it right when I tell her to, and she drops it, it slams. It turns out to be a really cool shot, but that was all inspired because I saw one shot that Daniel Schiffer did and yeah. I was like, Oh man, like I gotta see how I can add my own touch. Yeah. But even though those guys aren't necessarily like down exactly what you do, like mm -hmm. I know they're YouTubers, but, uh, do you watch a lot of those kinds of guys too? Yeah, no, I totally do. And I feel like, like that's like something that kind of goes along with what you're saying. Like, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been making videos for like a pretty long time now, but I still find so much value in like watching other people, you know, like do what they're good at, especially in like, like areas of filmmaking that maybe I'm not very good at like Daniel Schiffer stuff. I mean, like even like your behind the scenes stuff. And it's like, Oh, I never would have thought to like shoot something like that. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it just like sparks all like these new ideas for like how I could shoot stuff. Maybe not in the same, like, I mean, I don't really do like, you know, product videos. I can always learn something new from like a Lewis Potts or the Mark Bones, even though I'm not doing commercials or documentaries, I can always like gleam stuff off of other people's work and just apply it to your own, which I think is pretty cool. Totally. And I think like these guys who have experience in such larger scale work yeah you know like and I, I don't even know if you know people like mark bone are necessarily larger scale but definitely very experienced and very professional type stuff that we're not talking like one man band all the time type stuff yeah like, it's great to learn from them like in it i think one of the really important things that i wish i could have taken advantage of more was my time on Portlandia when I could have just talked to some people in the grip and electric department yeah. and like just talk to them about how does this work and like the DP at least on the season that I was there he was super nice like really friendly I wish I could have just been able to pick his brain more yeah and so some of the, some of those people like it's it's great that they have YouTube channels yeah. and I think in the professional world they can almost view the YouTube channels as lesser than but mm -hmm. it's like man the value that they're able to bring and they aren't the most followed people like you know, they aren't the most uh influential but like man the value that they bring and i love yeah. lewis and yeah. like the way that he's so chill about it yeah like, and he could probably care just, less right like he doesn't care if he gets views oh, yeah. but like his stuff yeah, is so and good and that's what i love yeah yeah but you know being able to bring those kind of big scale things into kind of our world where it's like we're kind of that one-man band, maybe really small team, low budget. It's like to be able to bring that knowledge in is super important. And not saying we don't have that knowledge and we don't have things to offer, but it's just great to, to have other outside input and see how other people do different things. Yeah, absolutely. The next thing I kind of wanted to talk about was your camera kit right now and maybe the evolution of where you started from to like where you are now. Because I always find it like interesting of where people started from. And then like my first camera was like a digital eight Sony camera back in like 2000. Yes. 
2002 or something like that but like what yeah but like so did you start in like the dslr revolution with like the canons or were you before that yeah so i was i was not i pretty much um the the stupid videos that we made uh back in high school were shot i think it was just like this little tiny uh, i think it was a nikon dslr okay and just kind of rep that for a second i have no idea what it was it was like yeah. my friends who's like grandma gifted to him gifted okay. it to him and he's just like here borrow this whatever. Yeah. but then when it was time for me to actually buy a camera you know low budget so i look at the i think it was either the t2i or t3i at the time okay and so i was scouting those out and didn't really like i was like i feel like i could do better so i'm trying to like save up to get the 6d yeah and then i'm like oh no maybe i could do better and then the gh uh i think it was the gh4 at the time and the mm-hmm. a7s were kind of like two big competitors oh, yeah. and i ended up jumping for the uh a7s and i mean dude i was all about that camera and then i then went to the a7s mark ii i had an a6500 like kind of that was my kit at yeah. the time i had a uh a7S Mark II, as well as the 6500. Sold the 6500, got an FS5 Mark II. Okay. And I loved that. That was actually, I thought that was going to be a big moment for me going into the cinema style, right? Like, you got this big camera changing up your rig, and it wasn't long after that, dude, that I was like, oh, man, the A7S III just came out. Oh, yeah. And looking at that, (laughs) it's like, it does everything that I wanted minus ND filters. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted ND filters and XLR. And I was like, fine. Yeah. You know what? The day that the A7S three came out, I pre-ordered it. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. That's when I sold my FS5 and said, all right, now I'm back down to the DSLR world. Yeah. Like that's just what it became. And then the FX3 came out, dude. Like, are you kidding me? It's yeah. like, oh, I, this came out just after the A7S. Same camera. It just has like the XLR. Mm-hmm. I need that. Yeah. And so it was back ordered forever, and then I finally got my hands on one. But so right now, my kit is the A7S III as well as the FX3. That's pretty and solid. I I love it, dude. Yeah. Like I'm just I I don't always like the the culture that comes from Sony. I think it's slowly changing. It's mm-hmm. getting better, but there was kind of this like I don't know. Just I don't even know what kind of language appropriate <laughs> language I can use. Uh, to describe it but it was really this kind of like interesting like first camera kind of guy like thinks he's really cool sony like yeah it's almost new and hip it's almost which i think is kind of ironic but it's almost like the best buy camera you know what i mean like Mm. everybody that goes to best buy they come out with a sony (laughs) yeah and it was just like are you kidding me and uh, i mean i'm so glad that sony's made the push that they have yeah but it was just so odd for a while. I was like, I don't want to admit that I'm like on the A7S. Like, <laughs> and then I think as the cameras got better, especially now with the FX3, it's just like now I'm, I feel legitimate more so. Yeah. Now. Um, but yeah, dude, just like that whole idea of the Sony's was almost like cringy for me. <laughs> uh, I almost just wish I had a Canon just so I could be like, yeah, I shoot on Canon or whatever. Or yeah. like with you, you shoot mostly Panasonic still, right? I actually shoot with and Olympus, like, but yeah, same kind of deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I forgot you're doing the Olympus now. Yeah, that's which sweet, is dude. super, it's super, uh, I feel like I'm shooting on like a, a forgotten camera brand because no one really cares about oh. Olympus anymore, but <laughs> it's actually like, absolutely. It like, it has the autofocus of a Sony camera, but it's just in a little tiny micro four thirds body. So I like it. I mean, I'm probably going to end up switching out to something like I've even considered, you know, moving to Sony like in the future, just cause like my gripe with Sony 
in the past was just like their cameras weren't as affordable or had the same amount of specs for the price that Panasonic cameras do. But totally. now it's like, you know, you can get Sony's used for a lot cheaper and it's like their color science is, you know, getting a lot better. I think ever since like the 6400, like everything like later than that, like they have like really good uh, color science. So I don't feel like I used to about Sony, but yeah, I think that's cool that like you were rocking like the DSLRs for the longest time. Your your most recent like Instagram reel that I saw was pretty funny with like you show up with like your FX3 that looks like a DSLR and then it's like, you know, the client's like, oh, I thought you were going to come with a, a professional camera. Then you just, you rig it yeah. out a little bit and then it's just like, it's the exact same camera, but it just looks Dude. pro. <laughs> I've I've had people like just yesterday I had someone come up to me and he was like a, a friend acquaintance whatever you want to call it like we aren't close but he saw it and yeah. he doesn't even work anywhere near cameras yeah. and he's like I think he's he still works in sales and he just walked up to me and he's like dude isn't that every customer ever yeah and I'm just like yes like that's clients too like you we I have been on so many different shoots whether it's for someone or myself where it's like. I got to show up yeah. like I got to show up with something bigger. And yeah. even, even the other day I was shooting for one client at another business. Okay. So it was kind of a joint event, but this other business, I was like, I kind of want to work with them. Like yeah. that would be really cool to be able to work with them. And so I showed up just for the sake of showing like I, like I'm a big pro, right? I came up with the most unnecessary rig. Like I had like the big V mount battery on the back I had like this, I think I had a map box. Uh, I had this monitor and like this grip, like it was just all on rails. It was huge yeah. and weighed way too much. It was, it was just an FX3, but I think it weighed over 10, 11 pounds. And I showed up with it just to like look legitimate in front of this like other client to impress them. Yeah. And it actually made my job more difficult because I didn't have the touch functionality that I wanted on the monitor like it was difficult to see uh, it was really heavy I was sweating the whole time and like it in the end probably made the product worse just because I was trying to impress yeah right but uh not that it ever made the product actually worse you know it turned out really well I mm -hmm. was happy with it but it's just like so unnecessary but I feel like that's just people like they want to feel like they're being cared for and yeah. i think i believe it was oh man i'm gonna butcher his name but he's a portland youtuber is it ryan cow yeah Kale? yeah 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 ryan cow i think yeah is his name. yeah he he mentioned that when he was talking about i believe it's his red komodo he's like clients are gonna like will this get you more clients like having a red komodo and he's like honestly yes because they're gonna feel like they're cared for like yeah. was it worth it and i'm like dude you're absolutely right it's just that's always such a frustrating reality yeah. is this whole idea of vanity, you know? Yeah. Well, I even think that like, even beyond like clients, me as a filmmaker, sometimes I want my rig to look sick, you know? Cause like it makes yes. me, it like, it almost validates me. And so like I rig my camera out and then I go to like film part of a YouTube video up a mountain. And I'm just like, why did I bring all this stuff? It'd be so much easier. Yes. It'd be so much easier oh if I just gosh. had my camera a lens and an ND filter and a mic and that's all I need. But like, you just, you almost want to feel like you're sick by rigging it out. But it's just like, this is so unnecessary for what I'm doing. Absolutely. It's like that whole idea of like, when I, when I was an athlete, right. And I, I just wanted to have like the newest cleats. I want to have the coolest socks. Like I wanted to have all that. And it's like, or even when I, when I would skate, when I was a kid, I wanted to have like 
everything from mm-hmm. Zoomies, like brand new, looking really cool, oh, yeah. and that. But like, did it ever matter until I got on the board or got on the field or it? None of it did. Yeah. And so that's why, like, I'm I'm such a a big um, advocator for like advocate. Mm-hmm. I don't know the proper term uh, of like. All right, let's see when the product is done. Yeah. Like. Do what you can, and let's see what the actual product is, and then we can actually have a voice on it. But you're absolutely right, like about this whole like, why did I bring this whole thing out here? Yeah. And for me, I'm I'm going. Uh, my wife and I were taking a much needed vacation. Um, we're going over to Europe uh, here soon, and oh, it's nice. like I'm bringing. I, I will bring the Ronin just because it's like I want to get a few other shots, and I'm mostly going to be shooting it just like with a neck strap, and I'm going to do a lot of video, and it's yeah. like. Will I look professional at all? No. And that's kind of the idea, especially if you're in like a touristy place. Like you don't want to bring all this heavy stuff walking around or to get stolen. Yeah. And so I'm just like, I'm curious on how any of my stuff is going to turn out when I'm out there because it's almost entirely going to be shot on like a neck strap and like maybe a little handheld tripod that I can grip, like a gorilla pod or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. It's always funny, like... Every time I bring a lot of gear, I'm always wishing like, man, if I just had like a DJI Pocket 2 or something like that, like those little tiny things, it's like <laughs> my life would be so much easier. <laughs> man, do you, I love those things. Yeah. Like, do you remember the when the Osmo first came out? Oh yeah, like the original Osmo. It's like built into yeah. the gimbal. Yeah. Those things Dude, are like things like that were just like, those were so wild to see. Yeah. I, I, I held on to mine for probably too long. Yeah. But if it, if it wasn't like straight daylight that camera was awful like, yeah it i remember so much light i remember the the images coming off of that weren't spectacular but it yeah. was a cool it was a cool idea i i really liked the it was like i think it's like the xr gimbal or something like that that was like it had like a micro four thirds camera built into it and it shot raw i forget oh my i forget which one that was but it was like super expensive but like and i don't think it even had any audio but like you could just like shoot stabilized raw or it was either raw or pro res, but that one was like way out of my price range. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm loving like the this whole options of gimbals, this gimbal revolution. Now I I don't think they're necessary. In yeah. fact, I really like a handheld look. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of more what I would I don't know. That that's what I would prefer. Yeah. But when you can have a gimbal, like these things are capable of so much now. And it's just neat to see how many different ones are out there. And it's not just all DJI anymore. Yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, when you and I, five, six years ago, we first, like, met, mm-hmm. I was shooting on the Ronin-M, and yeah. it was, like, for me, that was one of the first gimbals that was, like, available underneath $2,000, right? Yeah. And then since then, all these one-handed ones have come in. Now, you walk anywhere, like, that's somewhat touristy, and you've got people with them on their, like, their phones just propped up on a little tiny gimbal. It's, like, yeah. they're getting smaller. It's it's really neat, dude. Like, I, I am kind of digging it. I, I like the competition in it. Yeah. But you think about, like, the Ronin-M, I think, was, like, 1500 bucks, 1400 bucks, and now you can get these gimbals, like, for 400 bucks, like, yeah. 300 bucks. Like and they do a better job than what the Ronin M was doing, or they do just a good job in general. That's all you really need. But it's really cool to see all these capabilities. Yeah, I know it's 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 really nice that like we're not just still stuck with like Movi as like the only option out there. Like I remember when Movi yeah. came out and it was just like, you know, you're ready to drop like a lot of money for one of like those those Movi free fly system, you know, like oh. But, like, now, it's if you're just starting as a filmmaker, you have so many options. And even, like, 
like I still use my DJI Ronin SC, you know, you can probably get one of those for like 150 bucks nowadays, you know, but it's like, it still does everything that I needed to do for my small little cameras and it works yes, perfectly. Absolutely. And I, I actually, uh, so I know you, you said earlier, cause I shared with you that, like starting a YouTube journey and I, I did just like start recording my, my first and second video. I've got one in the bank. I've got another one that I've, that I'm recording and it was just about the RS3 Pro mm -hmm. and it's a it's a gimbal that I just picked up and I I do love it like don't get me wrong but the whole idea behind like you need this like is so false yeah. and I've I mean I shot some really cool stuff on my Ronin S which is I think one of the first like single hand gimbals or at least that came out right yeah and even though it's outdated and yeah you can get one for like 150 200 bucks it's like I was I was still able to get smooth shots yeah. and like why did I get it in the first place to get smooth shots? Yeah. So I feel like so many of us, especially in this world, we're so concentrated on gear, and I'm guilty of it too. Yeah. Obviously, otherwise I wouldn't have bought all these things. Absolutely, but me too. like it, it's <laughs> yeah. You you review this stuff. Yeah, you yeah. gotta be right. <laughs> uh, but like when it's when all your favorite YouTubers, all your favorite influencers are like talking about it, it's like you feel like you need to have it or yeah. you need to get it. And again, like I think that's that's so false. So some of these some of the features I think are really cool. But I don't need them all. And I ended up, just for clarification, I, I did get the RS3 Pro because my my Ronin S wasn't exactly what I wanted it to be. And I had room in the budget to just upgrade that one piece. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And like I went on a 10-mile hike, which is very unlike me. And I took that thing with me and I was not sore at all. Like I was carrying it the entire time and like this grip and like it was so much lighter. So looking at it now, like, especially if I go shoot an event, it's like, I'm looking forward to it because I have this gimbal and it's not gonna just like slow me down a ton. It's very lightweight, so on and so forth. So yeah. I feel like I had to say that because yeah, yeah. otherwise, like, why would I like not defend it? Well, like, no, I mean, it's I totally good to know. It, Cause yeah. I feel like, I feel like some people probably think that like, you know, everybody just ditches their old gear and upgrades just arbitrarily, you know, but like for people like yeah. you who are actually like, using it to make money, I think that makes a lot more sense. If you were just, you know, like making YouTube videos, like maybe you wouldn't have needed to, but obviously the RS3 Pro obviously had like specs that made sense to you and that would actually like benefit you in the long run. Yeah. And and actually like this, I don't know why this kind of popped up in my head, but I, so I don't even know if this is relative to our topic, but as far as gear goes, you know, you, you really focus on YouTube and this idea of like, the budget filmmaker. Yeah. And I, I love it. And like, I think, I think there's totally room for all kinds of, of YouTubers, whether you like some don't like others, like doesn't matter. I feel like everyone kind of has their people that they love to listen to. And yeah. you have an awesome way of talking to like that budget filmmaker. Now that means that you aren't going to be the guy that grabs, you know, the latest DJI product, the latest Sony, or, you know, like you're shooting on Olympus, yeah. like you are showing how to do things for cheap. Like, do you ever look at those other guys who are doing it and have like all the, are getting sent all this gear and stuff like the new stuff? Mm -hmm. And do you, are you ever like, man, I wish that I went that route? Or are you always just like, no, like I love what I do now with this budget filmmaking idea? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. Like I really do like like the little niche that I've found myself in, it's been super fun to just like test my filmmaking abilities, regardless of what kind of gear that I have. There are some times where I, I get a little bit 
like salty like oh man like that company should have sent me something you know like when the gh6 came out like i've been using the gh3 for you know decade now you know and they like they send the gh6 to a bunch of like sony and canon shooters but not to me and we're just like dang it like should have sent me that camera but like there are some instances like that where i'm just like a little bit salty but overall like i feel it's pretty rewarding that i can like keep feeding into like this low budget community. And there are a lot of people that probably watch my channel that have probably like phased out of like that low budget, you know, like a filmmaking space and are onto like, you know, like bigger and better things. But I feel like there's always gonna be people who need to learn how to do things without having the craziest gear. And that's who I kind of want to keep providing value for. I mentioned this on my, my podcast before, but like, I just, I really, like I enjoy that challenge of seeing how good I actually am by like using stuff that isn't necessarily the latest and greatest. Like, uh, do you know the, the gambler in Oregon? It's like, it's like this event. Oh yes. Yeah. The gambler yes. 500, I think the gambler 300. Yes. Where the, you take like this $500 less vehicle. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. See, like yeah. you buy a car for like 500 bucks and you try to drive it like over Mount hood into like the bend area. And I kind of feel like sometimes it's just like, it's probably super rewarding for those dudes to like have like this car that's probably not so great, but because they're all like, you know, mechanically minded, they can get that car to where it needs to be. And that's kind of how I feel about like my YouTube channel sometimes. Like if I gain the knowledge, it shouldn't matter what camera I'm using. So I guess. Yes. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I was told this when I was in, I don't know, I don't even know if I could call it film school because it was a community college, you know, what, a video school, was whatever it, uh, it is. Was it at Mount Hood Community? It was. Oh, dude, yeah, I, yeah, was, yeah. I was, was about to take that. I was about to take that program when I, like, exited high school, but I ended up doing something else. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, it was probably, there was, like, maybe one course that I was like, yes, this was totally worth it. Yeah. Now, I think for a lot of people, just getting into it, like just saying like I'm doing this was important. Yeah. But there was like one class that I was like, yeah, this was worth it. I, I remember like we were talking about editing and like mm -hmm. all the different programs and stuff like that. And our, our teacher was really smart. Like our, the head of the program, he, he was a wise guy, but he was like, it doesn't matter what you edit on. Like we, we all did premiere yeah. then for sure. He said, it doesn't matter what you edit on. What it matters is the end product. I don't care if you shoot on or if you edit an iMovie. Like yeah. if the end product is great, it's great. Like that's all that matters. So stop like worrying about what you edit on. Yeah. And same goes for, you know, things that you shoot. It's like, it doesn't matter what it was shot on. Like yeah. there's documentaries now like that are shot on, you know, A7S or whatever that are bigger films and it's really cool to see that, and yes, of course, it'd be so cool to have a red, and you could probably tell a difference, but, like, at the end of the day, not everyone's going to be able to tell a difference. Yeah. Like, the people who are going to tell a difference are people like maybe you and me, or, like, high-end producers who can totally see a difference in that, but, like, for your just casual person who's turning this on to watch, like, if the story's good, then they'll watch. Yeah. And our job... I heard this too that I think has always spoken to me deeper is like our job is to tell a great story without distracting them at all from the story. Yeah. So that means lighting has got to be good. Like 
you don't want to boom in the shot or anything like that. You want to just have them fully immersed in this story. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I've always thought that like, you know, does gear matter debate? Like, I think I've mentioned this before on my podcast as well, but like, I've always thought that it, it matters a lot less to people who know what they're doing. Like, I bet that I could give you an iPhone and you could probably create better product videos than I could with an Aria Alexa. You know what I mean? Like, like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I know what you mean. Like, I don't know if it's true, but I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, like, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure you could. I'm not the best uh, product filmmaker. But, you know, it's like, well, when you know what you're doing, like, the gear is just, like, it's it's not necessarily an afterthought, but it's, like, it's not, like, the main thing that you're always thinking about. You're thinking about the story, the product. You're thinking a lot more about gear that's, you know, it's, like, lighting or set design and stuff like that. When you... You first start out, I think it's a lot more like you're obsessing about your cameras and your lenses a lot more when you're first starting out than when you're a little bit further in your career. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like it's so easy to geek out on those things. Like it's the same thing as like, so when I was working in the NBA at the beginning, like so much of it was like, oh my gosh, like that's Damian Lillard or that's CJ McCollum or that's you know LeBron James like that was really cool to be like around don't get me wrong but at a certain point it's like I have a job to do like I'm not gonna geek out about the stuff around me I need to just like do my job right and I know that's it's not like I'm using these NBA players like I would be a a camera or lights or anything like that but it is definitely relative on like when you're young and you're new to this like everything is just like so cool and all these features and stuff and sometimes I forget that that's a phase and so even recently I had somebody come up to me and he saw me with my gimbal and he was asking me all these questions about like oh man this gimbal and stuff he's like I got this black magic camera and he starts talking about it and I was talking to him in very simple terms yeah and he had no idea what like you know some of this shutter is and like the yeah. shutter angle like he was confused and i was like oh like you're so like hung up on how great this this camera is that yeah. you don't even know how to actually use it like you know let me let me break it down a little bit so that's that's always fun i even had once when i first got the a7s it was known for like its low light capabilities right yeah and I was so stoked. And this is my first camera ever. I literally got it because I needed a camera to like practice on. Yeah. I get this camera, I'm using it and someone like my, uh, my, I don't know, my teachers, I'll call them my teachers mm-hmm. at school were asking me about it. Like, Oh, how'd it turn out? I'm like, Oh man, like I took this photo and it was a nighttime photo and it just looked like day. Like the, the, ins- the sensitivity is wild. And they're like, you should turn down your ISO. Like, cause yeah. it was just like a, you know, some photo that I had my ISO way up and I was like in my head, I'm like, no, it's just really good at low light. Yeah, like yeah. that's why this, this picture mm-hmm. looked like daylight and they were like, no, you got to turn down your ISO. I'm like, no, <laughs> like I know this camera is just really good. And it ends up that I was just a doofus like the whole time because I didn't know how to do these things. Yeah. I was just so stoked on the gear. And I feel like that's just the phase that we got to get through and everyone's going to go through it. Gear is awesome. We all kind of have that in us still of like gear is great. But at a certain point, you learn to work with just like you were saying, you learn to work with what you get. Yeah. That's that's kind of fun. Like learning different pieces of gear. Absolutely. The last thing that I kind of just wanted to like end it on was just if you had any like tips for people who are like just starting out, I think this kind of goes along with what we were just talking about, but like maybe they're like me and they want to get to a level that you are, you know, like we want to start making more commercials, more ads. Do you have any like tips for anyone starting out? Yeah, I think 
the the biggest thing, man, is and I stand by this so vividly is just do things for free on your own terms. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you have someone that you want to work for, then make something for them and don't make it for like yeah. If you want to practice and make something for Nike, go ahead and make something for Nike. Yeah. But like that's that's not what matters. Like I'm talking if there's like a beverage company like locally and you want to make some product videos, like ask them, talk to them. And if they like, if they don't have any response and let's say they were nice to you, or maybe you just couldn't find a connection, like maybe you just go buy their product, like a small business should have their mm-hmm. product purchased and then go and make something with it. Yeah. Just, just cause, cause you can't, and then use that and leverage that to more business. And I, I'm just like a broken record with that. Normally I did this with a, uh, with a brewery back in 2017, 2018, may have been 2019. Either way, yeah. I did this once. And after I did it, like I had taken that video that I made for free for this brewery and sent it to another brewery and said, Hey, like I made this, is this any interest? And this brewery wants the second one that I sent it to had already said like, now nah, like maybe we'll meet, maybe we'll talk like, but now that I had something that I've already done and was able to give to them, they were like, yeah, let's, let's talk now. Like then that now that's one of my ongoing clients and it's made me so much more just by doing one video for free. Yeah. So I would just like push and push and push to just like, don't make excuses, just make something. Yeah. Like just go and do it because there's not, there's nothing really holding you back. And I look back at even like the time, any free time that I ever had over the last four years. And I'm like, man, I really wish that I would have done, done more with my, my time of, like just being able to produce something and I could have made so many more pieces of video or pieces of content. Sorry. And I just didn't because I was too slow making up excuses. So do things for free on your own terms. Someone comes up and asks you if you'll do something for free. I'd probably say no. Yeah. Just cause you do got to value yourself. But if you can leverage it to other clients, like, man, it's so valuable, so valuable. And you learn on the job. Like you don't learn anywhere more than when you're actually have a camera in your hands and or editing. Yeah. Well, dude, yeah. that's... Or editing on uh, DaVinci Resolve, by the way. <laughs> that's where you edit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good to hear because that's kind of the the route that I'm, like, trying to take. Like, right now, I'm I'm putting together, like, a shot list for this, this like, short ad that I want to make for a coffee roaster that's, like, run by a buddy of mine. And that's kind of, like, been my idea is, like, if I can make a really cool video that, like, he didn't ask me to make, but I'm just going to make it for free. And I'm going to... yeah. Like, I'm going to use it as, you know, as YouTube content, but I want to use the, like, the finished piece as, like, what's going to be, like, a body of work that can live on my website that I can, like, shill out to other coffee roasters or even just other, totally you know, companies that I would like to work for. And it's like, hey, look, I did this for this person and it turned out good. Like, I'd like to do more work for you. So it sounds yeah. like, it sounds like from someone like you who's doing what I kind of want to do, I'm probably on the right path by trying to do that. Oh, right? absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of my favorite things about the process of doing a product video is it's like you come up with an idea for a shot mm-hmm. and then like you, you, you visualize what you want the shot to look like. And then you're like, how can I achieve this? Yeah. And it's on such like a minute scale because it's literally like a tabletop that you're doing this on or, you know, something, something short, like you're not doing this out in a field where every, 
mistake is much smaller mm-hmm. and like the mistakes are right in front of you when you're doing something on such a small scale yeah like you know a bottle and so you're going to see every reflection you're going to see everything like i think that is one of my favorite parts is trying to figure out how can i now that i visualize the shot how can i make it happen yeah and it's normally in some weird ways dude like it's some weird ways on how like you achieve a shot. I think one of them that I did was, uh, man, it was like I pull, I had this, cam- the camera rigged to some 15 millimeter rails, and then the can was at the end of that, and it just looked really janky. Yeah. But it worked in the end. Like it was just to get like the cam, so that way the the can stayed consistent in the middle, and then it would pour. It was just like something weird, but like you visualize it, and then you figure out how can I make it happen. And again, it's not always the prettiest in the behind the scenes, but it's yeah, well, always kind of cool to see how other people do it. Yeah, like I think that's like the coolest thing is like seeing how janky it is in the behind the scenes and then seeing like what the yes. finished product is. I'm just like, I'm always stoked on those. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think reflections are probably the most difficult part of any product like video because yeah. it's like you're shooting mirrors. And so sometimes you can see how janky things are like in the background of stuff and, yeah. and limited like you do need some good gear to be able to get like product videos a lot of the time. Uh, you can totally do it depending on how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can totally get it done with just like a window. Yeah. But um, it depends on the style. If you're trying to get that studio look, then like you're going to need some a studio setup. You're going to need things to be blacked out and you're going to need like correct diffusion and all these different lights uh, generally. Yeah. But if you're just like trying to show the theme of a bedroom, like then go shoot in a bedroom and it's going to look good. Yeah. So yeah, dude, it's, it's interesting how it always works. But again, the reflections is probably one of the most difficult things to, to nail down. Someone once said, you're not shooting your subject. You're shooting the light on your subject. Yeah. And I've always stuck to that on like, especially when it comes to products, dude, it's like, I don't want to see the light on my subject. I don't want to see the light source on yeah. it. So huh. yeah. Well, that's a good. That's a good thing for me to keep in mind when I uh, try to make my video. <laughs> yeah, dude, give me a give me a call if you need anything because that's always like, it's funky. Yeah. I, I mean, even some of those things. I I did one uh, a seltzer video, and I seriously, it started out with me just practicing product video. Like yeah. I was like, how can I get these reflections gone? And then by the end of the night, I was like. I was I was seriously just practicing. And then by the end of the night, I was like, let me just turn this into a full video. And so that's what I did. I just was like editing it and making it into something. So yeah, dude, just get creative, figure out the shots, figure out how to create them after that, and then run with it. Yeah. It takes a long time, but it's fun. That's awesome. Well, hey, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on my little podcast. It's been really fun talking to you. And I'm definitely going to have to have you on again to to pick your brain about more stuff. Where can people find you on like Instagram and YouTube? My Instagram is at Tyler Cornelison. Hopefully my name's like in, I don't know, the description or the title of this thing. Yeah. Uh, and then you can f- figure out the spelling from there. And I believe my YouTube is the same name, Tyler Cornelison. I think I only have a couple shorts up right now, but I'm, I'm really excited to just kind of like put my personality out there a little bit more, who I am, what yeah. I do, who I is. Yeah, kind of just like be a part of this community. Dude, I'm like... I'm like really stoked that you're going to start like actually posting YouTube videos. I'm like, I'm really, 
I'm really stoked for that because I think you're going to do some like really cool stuff. I appreciate it, dude. I'm really bad at it already. No, that's not true. Dude. But I totally recorded on uh, S and Q mode accidentally recently, uh, <laughs> you just which had, the whole doesn't thing track down. audio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, uh, yeah, it was bad. But I, I, it doesn't record any audio, so I recorded like a whole day with no audio. It was bad. Yeah. So I'll get, I'll get better at it. I'll get better at it. I'm really excited. Yeah, dude. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Well, thanks again for being on the podcast. If you guys want to check out Tyler's work. I'm going to have all the links to it in the show notes of this episode. But yeah, thanks again, man. And we'll have to talk again soon. Totally, dude.